tip. Good afternoon. It is February 14th, 2022. You're listening to A Little Column A, Little Column B, hosted by Willie Nose and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What is going on, Will? Happy Valentine's Day. Gonna have to start this one off on a little bit of a, a little bit of a somber note. The oldest pub in Britain is gonna have to close. Uh, got hit by uh, by COVID. Was already kind of struggling beforehand. Care to venture a guess when this pub opened? Started serving drinks. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, I, I, over a hundred years. I don't know. Is, is, that, is that is that fair? Let's go a hundred years. Well, you're not wrong. It is over 100 years. They started pouring drinks in the year 793. Yeah, this, this establishment has been going for over 1,000 years. You know, as the son of a restaurateur, there's nothing more than knowing you ruined a legacy. <laughs> there's always that kind of fear in the background, and this sounds like a nightmare. Of You were the ones that couldn't pull it off. We did it for this long, and you couldn't do it. Like there were definitely pandemics before this in the last thirty or twelve hundred years, there had to have been all sorts of uh, things that came up: wars, famine. I I don't know other weird stuff. Dragons. I don't know. Wait a minute. Are you saying yeah, this generation is weak? Are Are you making fun of us? A, a little bit. <laughs> well, the worst part is you made it this far. Like, how did you even survive last year? Has it just been closed for the past two years, and they finally gave in, or? Were they partially open last year and then maybe a little hit or miss this year and then just shut down? Uh, it sounded like they were having some problems before COVID uh, hit. And then it just kind of, a, you know, was able to kind of float it for a little bit. Like you got some, you know, cash reserves and, you know, you just you have stock and then all of a sudden you just kind of run out and then there's no one. Not nothing, nothing to keep it, keep it going. So. Wow. They're, they're looking, they're exploring all opportunities for the site's future, and they'd really like to reopen the pub under new management. But, you know, I, you know, trying to trying to figure things out, like you said, I'm sure it's very, very emotional, and you feel like you you failed a lot of people. They they open back up, right? That, that, there's no way. I mean, hopefully we get a follow-up story to this. I don't think this – there's no way you could do something for that long. And even if you struggle for you – know, it could be a really long time in comparison to that. Even if you struggle for 50 years – there's no reason to, to not have it kind of have this all work together again. Uh, I just got to imagine there's somebody that would be interested, whatever the price was, even if it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make like a ton of money off of this, of just being able to brag and be like, I own the oldest pub in Britain. Yeah, this is the most uh, most uncomfortable bar possible. It's, everything's old. It's ancient. It's, it's antique. So you just open an antique store overnight. You can get a drink there. It's a two-in-one. See, there you go. You're thinking outside the box there. <laughs> I do like the idea of being able to say that, though. That is, like, they're, they're, we've been doing this longer than anyone else. Is, that's fair to say, right? Oh, I mean, it seems like it's very specifically saying the oldest in Britain. So I got to imagine there's somewhere else in Europe, and probably somewhere else. I got to imagine there's some place in uh, in Asia where they've, you know, been doing it even longer. So I, I don't think it's the oldest of all time. Otherwise, that's the kind of what the claim would be. But you know, even this one, it kind of goes. It has some verbiage that's like not locked down like this is for sure the oldest in britain like the reported or you know the claimed because it's probably really hard to track those sort of sorts of records yeah what if it what if it, none of it's just true at all this is all just how they can try and swing it to get back in business like this is all just a right lie. They, they they opened uh 50 years ago and it's just always been like oh yeah this is an old bar it's been here forever <laughs> nobody checked this 
This is before the internet. Uh, well, how about we stop talking about some old news and talk about some new news? Let's talk about the Super Bowl. We've had an incredible playoff run of awesome NFL games, every one of them ending with a game-winning field goal or some sort of overtime play or just awesome ending, really tight games. We kind of get it yesterday with the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I look back at it, it was kind of a weird game in which I don't know if either team necessarily played well. I don't know if we should be shocked by the results. I think all in all, it, it kind of played to script if you – if you were, I don't know what your 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 expectations were going into it, but I think we knew L.A. had these big, big, big names in Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. You're talking MVP type guys, Defensive Player of the Year guys. Some even saying some of the greatest seasons of all time for both of them, as well as some of the maybe greatest careers of all time at these certain positions. And those are just two of the guys. I mean, you can go on to Jalen Ramsey. There's a whole bunch of guys here. And it felt like for the first time in the NFL, like some really big stars came up and truly impacted the game, especially in the second half when they actually needed it. Uh, but kind of a sloppy game most of the time. I mean, it was there for the taking, I think, for both teams. Did, were you shocked by Cincinnati kind of hanging in there? It was definitely a, a, a close game the, 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 whole, the whole time, which I thought was fun. But I agree with your assessment that the playoffs uh, after that first week that was – not not exciting, but afterwards, just every every game has had just all sorts of fireworks. I was assuming that Burrow was going to march down the field and at the very least tie this up. It was just like, oh, this is just how this works now. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter that there's under two minutes. There, a minute 25? Yeah, that, that, that's plenty of time to get in a field goal range. I've, I've seen this multiple times in the past few weeks. So we're, we're for sure going to overtime. So then when that didn't happen, it was uh, – and, and immediately it was like, oh, man, that, that was kind of a letdown of a game. I had to kind of step back and go, no, no that, that was still a fun game. There was still, uh, you know, a game-winning touchdown under two minutes. Like, that's exactly what you're, what you're looking for for, uh, for an exciting game where, you know, I didn't really have a, a true uh, rooting interest in the, in the teams. So all of these awesome games of the past year, we've talked about in the podcast to a great extent how, how are you not able to stop a team? You know they need three points. All you got to do is stop them from getting a field goal. And yet with 18 seconds, 45 seconds, all of this little bit of time, these teams are able to get field goals almost effortlessly at the end of these games. And I think this is where the true value of having somebody at like Aaron Donald really comes in because all those other teams that were not able to get the stop, the one thing they don't have is a guy like that. So big LA spending the big money on the big stadium and the big roster and the young hotshot coach, all of that, it kind of paid off. It almost didn't, though. I, I truly see a scenario, though, where Burrow is able to do what he's done every other game ending the season here, where he just goes down the field. They have one of the most reliable kickers, as you said. They're not that far off. I mean, we're, what, two, three first downs from maybe at least letting McPherson attempt it? It's it's within it's within uh, grasp is, is kind of what I'm saying. It is a tighter game. I don't know if it'll necessarily be remembered as, as that. I think it's going to be mostly remembered for the dominant Cooper Cup, where they're just literally forcing it to him. And I think Brady's had games like this where he only sees Edelman or he only sees Gronk or he only sees some combination of the two, and he's just forcing it to them every time. And the other team knows this, and yet they are so in sync and the chemistry is so good, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Because after Odell gets knocked out, which we could talk a little bit about that, it's it's like, why not just focus everything on Cup? Like, what else? Let anyone else beat us. Just let anything else happen. And I don't know if it's they really the, really the the Belichick model right there. Were they were they not doing that, or were they just 
not able to do that because I, I, I really haven't figured it out. I watched some of the highlights again today. It was hard to kind of figure out live and everything's happening. It just seemed like after seven plays in a row, I think it was, to cup to the game-winning drive at the end, it's like, why are we not just put three guys on him? I don't care. Like, just <laughs> anyone, just anything but this. I, I just don't know why we didn't go that crazy to it. Uh, what I mean, what would you have done? Did you feel like they did everything they could? I mean, I, I it seems easy now to say just put, stop Cooper Cup. <laughs> I think that uh, th- there's a reason that he was the the Super Bowl MVP, and the reason that he was the you know regular season MVP, and he had some sort of something else where it's like the only other wide receiver. I'm not sure if it's wide receiver, it might even just be player to have gotten these accolades was Jerry Rice. And that was in three different seasons and Cup did it all in the same year. So I agree with you on the, all right, we got to throw more guys at him, but at some point it's like, you can't, you can't really put three guys on him, And sometimes it's just, just too good. And it could have been with uh, Beckham's injury. You kind of had a game plan and now that changes and maybe you just kind of weren't able to make the, the, the correct changes, or maybe you tried to make the changes and it just really wasn't working. And cup was just the, still on the, I'm, I'm just going to abuse you. It also felt like the coaching staff was not prepared for this Odell injury. Like the second he goes down, it, it really felt like it took them an, almost two quarters to kind of figure out, okay, so Odell's not like the backup guy with single coverage that we're going to try and take advantage of here when we're not just forcing it to cup. I, I, it really felt like they had no other choice. Like if they just doubled down on Cup, I don't know what else they would have done because they didn't really make any other adjustments. They're like, okay, well, the backup plan of Odell is gone. We're just gonna go with Plan A. It's it's working. Let's just keep doing that. Uh, Talk I would, about a uh, a roller coaster of a a few months for Odell. I know you're on the on the the Browns. That's all falling apart, and it's like are you just going to be off the team? Like you still seem like you have enough talent that, you know, you'll for sure be on the team next year, but kind of midway through just always weird. And where you're exactly going to end up to you're in the Super Bowl. Not only are you in the Super Bowl, you're playing well, you score the first touchdown, first points of the Super Bowl. Then you get injured. And I'm hearing that a uh, possible torn ACL just, you know, you, you do, you did win, but I don't know. Like, do you even get to go on the parade or are you still kind of getting surgery or rehab or you just you know it's not not safe for him to do that so yes you have the super bowl win and you know no one can take that away from you but i feel like part of it is being able to do the partying immediately after that leads into the parade and everyone you're just wild getting wild for a few days and now you're uh every time you move i imagine it's gonna be very painful what what i will say is that touchdown might save his career because if he kind of has a a lackluster game prior to this He's a free agent at the end of this. There's no contract. And now he's getting oh, is it. He? I'm pretty sure he's a free agent at the end oh, of this Oh, even year. worse. So now he's going into free agency for his second surgery. I don't know if it's the same knee or another knee. I, I It looked bad live. I could see his face. You could tell the reaction on it. It was like, yeah, they know this is bad because either he's done this before, which he has, and, and that's just the reaction. It's just like, all right, here we go again. I know how serious this is because I've had this serious injury before. So I think there's a lot of reason to be concerned for it, but that touchdown, I think that maybe gives you enough hope that someone will be willing to throw some money at him. But, you know, you throw in some antics in here. You know, we're going to talk about some NBA trade deadlines and just sort of the chemistry of is it even worth dealing with some of these players? I mean, how many times do some guys need to get traded before it's just the guy? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. It's it's no longer all the situations. It's just this guy doesn't fit anywhere. 
So I don't, I don't know what his value ends up being, but I'm pretty sure he's a free agent at the end of this. And regardless of that, he's not going to play next year. He, this couldn't happen any later in the season. He's not going to be ready for next year. So I, I, I think there's a lot of reason to be concerned for him. But I was happy that he was able to get the touchdown. I can't say I'm a huge fan, but, you know, they made some really good plays. Those those early touchdowns when he's out there, that offense just seemed kind of unstoppable at moments. I, you see how spread out it was and how many guys and options they have, and the weapons just really – it really felt like they were unstoppable until he goes down, and then it was, okay, panic mode, running the ball is really not working. Let's just try and force it to cup. I can't believe it worked. It, it seems like a third-grader strategy, but it worked. You know, just, just keep running that play. <laughs> Let's just do that one. Do that again. Now, on the flip side of that, Joe Burrow, I don't know if he had a bad game or a great game or a good playoff or an amazing playoff. It, it just seems like this guy that refuses to quit, he stays in the pocket, he makes things happen. He hits the, he hits uh, Jamar Chase on that one play, which is a suspect touchdown of a face mask on Jalen Ramsey there. Not a whole lot of noise from Jamar Chase after that. We get some Higgins noise here or there. I, I, overall, I just thought Burrow played good enough to win. They just needed one more play. They, they needed to get either a turnover with better field position or they needed to stop getting three and outs in the second half, which, which is another Aaron Donald reason of, of just defensive <laughs> stopping. Uh but what what do you think about the Bengals going forward right now? Like, is, is this a pro- this is still a promising year, right? Like, nobody thought they were, were going to be in this. Like, this is still a reason to say, look how young they are. Look how much, how much the future could be here. How many guys could maybe want to even come join this team? I mean, I already heard some rumors that maybe Gronkowski is interested in playing for, with Burrow. It, I think there's going to be high expectations for next year because they made it to the Super Bowl. But, you know, you look at their regular season record, they were 10-7. and seven. So definitely had a kind of Cinderella playoff run, and I think it, it it it's harder next year with with the expectations. Where this year was, well, Joe Burrow's coming back. We still don't really know exactly about him. Or now, you, it's going to be expected he's going to perform, and as well as uh, you know, as Jamar Chase. So I I think that they're they're going to be in for for a struggle next year. Maybe. Uh, you know, the other thing is, I don't know how injured Burrow or Stafford were. I, I By the end of this game and today, I guarantee both those guys are hurting. Because I think they both played through some injuries that they, if they had their way, they could have avoided it at all possible. Because I don't think that was part of the plan. I guarantee they're both limping today, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, Joe Burrow, it just takes a ton of punishment back there. He got sacked seven times, I know, in the Titans game. The Titans set the record for uh, sacks at, what was it, like 11 or something? So definitely would probably need to upgrade that, uh, that offensive line or there's a teasing chance that Pearl is going to be hurt again in the not too distant future. Six of the seven sacks are in the second half as well, which is that's, that's the difference maker right there. That's, that's it. And I, I believe if you even want to go into more detail, a lot of those are probably in the fourth quarter as well. I, I mean, probably like four of the six, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just shifts the tables right there where you're just suddenly not able to even run an offense. Your, your quarterback's on his back that many times. Not only not only that, he's just thinking about it. You, you can't tell me it doesn't stay in your head of like, wow, that really hurt. I don't want this to happen again, or I need to get rid of the ball faster. You're just rushing, rushing, rushing. You're, there's no comfort at all. It's just, just not enough time to make any decisions. Uh, anything else you want to talk about through the game here? Because there's a lot of other things that happened yesterday that I think we need to talk about. I, I love the halftime show. I want to talk about L.A. as a host. Uh, but before we get into that, is there anything else in the game you want to talk about? Uh, it's a little uh, just kind of game uh, related. Uh, I had gotten a hold of you before the uh, before the game started, and in October, 
Connecticut had legalized uh, sports gambling. So, you know, I've listened to, uh, you know, the podcast with, uh, you know, with, with Bill Simmons and with uncle Sal and then just, I've never really gotten into the, uh, to the, the props. And it's like, well, you're probably just going to like, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose your money. It's kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for, 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 for suckers. But it's like, ah, you know, th- this will be fun if it's something we, we, you know, we do together. We're not watching the game together, but we'll have something. Neither of us were super into the, the, the Rams or, or the Bengals. So it's like, oh yeah, let's let's do this. And I, I definitely uh, I had a good time with. We had uh, I believe we had ten uh, prop bets kind of all over the place, and you know we made a, a tiny little sliver of a of a profit. So always better than, than than losing money. But it definitely made for some some excitement of okay, what do we got? Okay, here's the first thing that's going to happen, and you know just always had something to kind of look forward to. Yeah, I, I did think it had a good start. I was nervous. For some reason, anytime we seem to uh, team in on these bets, like we, we have no problem winning bets against each other, but some somehow the combination <laughs> of us two thinking together never ends up with us in the green. And it was a really a rough start when we hit bet on the coin flip, which is the best odds you're going to get the whole day, and we didn't even win that. So that, that was a, a concerning start. of We couldn't even get the coin flip right. I, I mean, obviously you have just as much odds of getting it right or wrong, but you don't have those same odds of all the other things we bet on happening at all. Like, like, what do you think the odds were for any of that stuff? I mean, I know they put some numbers on it, but like, really, these are just guesses. Nothing fifty-fifty like a coin toss. Uh, so th- it was fun. I, I, it's definitely some reckless gambling, though. Oh, big, big time! But I thought, I thought it added a, a little, a little bit more, uh, more fun to it. Uh, all right. So we've, we've obviously watched a lot of Super Bowls in great detail, with the Patriots being in a lot of them and Tom Brady being in a couple more. And I think that's uh, that's that's something that we we kind of have a like we're the right guys to be asking because we watched a lot of Super Bowls about like how how good are the hosts how how are the opening singers you know what what other things do they do differently how do they represent like the city and all that and I don't I don't really have a whole lot of appreciation for L A but I can't say this this whole thing was a show I thought from the get go I thought the opening singers were great they sounded great the, the the audio of the halftime show was better than I think it normally is and. Maybe I just have like a newer sound system now and I'm getting spoiled by that. But I, I just thought everything sounded really clear. I loved how fast the halftime show was of going from act to act. Oh, the opening. I got I, I, got, I wrote this down. The Rock, the the intro. What did you think of that? I thought that was exciting. I didn't see that coming. I mean, yeah, these, these are all things, I wasn't expecting that. These are all things every other city could do, but it never really makes as much sense. But there's something about being in L.A. and Hollywood of just saying, OK, well, it, we, this is supposed to be an extravagant day. They're, like their money is not an issue. We're just going to spend as much as we need it, as much as we want, because it doesn't matter. We're going to make, we're going to make enough. It's going to be fine. It's so it is kind of nice to see the luxury of all that kind of really coming full form here where they didn't hold back on anything. Uh, But the halftime show, I like that. It was quick. we got all these little scenes and then we're going from one place to another. I, I think it's, it's much better if it's a show and not just a concert. I don't need a bunch of guys on stage and the cuts are just different angles of the same guy standing in the same place on stage. Like it's really hard to make it a whole show with that. I thought it was easy to make a show out of this when it's we're gonna get you know twenty seconds over here, forty five seconds over there, a minute over here, and then we're gonna go all the way back over here, and everyone's in it. Uh, some standouts. Uh, I mean, I thought Eminem was great. There's there's something cool about Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Every time those songs play, I'm I'm excited for them. I, I think this is the uh, the year where we get to decide uh, we are officially old because. The halftime shows for old people, and now we are into the halftime show. So maybe we are now officially <laughs> old. 
I I don't know if the, uh, what what age what age was uh you know what age was my dad when the Who did this you know is, does that all make sense like, like I don't, I don't know how it all happened so fast but yes yeah, so we woke up one day and we are now old but overall I enjoyed it I I don't know if younger people enjoyed it you know is is uh do you have any comments on it as well or did you enjoy it Oh it was definitely it was definitely fun and exactly to your point of oh okay. Yep, uh, we're in that target demographic now that we are the ones that have the money. They they want us to you know be spending it. So they're going to get people that we know. And it's like a little bit earlier than our time, I'd say. But, you know, when they're playing the songs, like, oh, I know all the words to all of these songs. I, I know exactly what this is. These are like throwbacks. So this is good. And then uh, really capping it off with, uh, with Eminem's Lose Yourself. It was just like, oh, man, how many times have I wrapped the beginning of this before basketball games, football games, all, all sorts of stuff to get hyped up. And now he's doing it at the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, yeah, this this fits right in. Yeah, I thought they all sounded really good, too. And I thought they were all actually singing as well. I don't think there was any lip syncing. At least I didn't I didn't catch it. I'm generally pretty good about that stuff. I saw 50 Cent taking some flack a little bit for being a little lackluster. And I just want to remind everyone that when he's hanging upside down in the music video that the music video audio is not his actual audio of him hanging upside down. So when he's hanging upside down in the live thing, it's obviously not going to sound the same because the guy's hanging upside down. So, Dude, he's hanging upside down. <laughs> so I thought that was unfair of, of, of a comparison of like, well, he's hanging upside down 20, 30, whatever odd years ago in, in a music video and he sounds awesome. Why can't he sound the same? It was like, well, no, that's not how music videos work. Of course they're fake. Like, this isn't a music video. It's a live performance. And, and as well, as he's, he's kind of an old man now. Like, I, I can't believe he was even doing that. Uh, so I, I, I'll defend 50 Cent for that. I mean, if, if you had to pick a weak, weak I, link. I did of, see a lot, of, a lot of funny jokes at his expense about, about his size. They did him no favors having him start upside down. But then it was like, oh, he's a... Uh, He's a little chunkier out there, <laughs> but I, yeah, the starting upside down it had to have been had to have been so difficult to uh, to do. And then when you write yourself up, I know, like, you know, sometimes I stand up too fast, and it's just like, oh, whoa, blood rush to the head. So I can't imagine how he was able to just continue performing once he like got back uh, back on his feet. So I, I definitely will uh, will give him props for that. I also just want to kind of remind everyone that this is probably the last time you're ever going to see dr dre on stage again like this is this is probably it as well as this is probably the last time you're ever going to see this group of people on the stage together ever again of dr dre snoop dogg maybe eminem and 50 cent they're not they're not torn again and if they are they're not bringing everyone with them ever again there may be a special event here or there where maybe we get lucky but i think i think this is it it took a lot to i think to get all, all these guys together and it, it's only something like the super bowl that i think they would get together for like there's got to be another event that would be quite as big as this and i don't know if there is one i i think they've, they did coachella already that was a couple of years ago they did the tupac hologram there's a lot of rumors of maybe that happening again I, I think this is it i think this is it i don't think they're ever gonna really do this whole thing again so i i enjoyed it i think this is the right direction to go for the super bowl and it's not necessarily specifically 2000s hip-hop 2090s hip-hop or whatever i think it's more of book as many acts as you can try to make them work and try to do scenes like this where you give everyone a little taste of this and it's not uh it's not all focused around one artist because i think it's really hard to have one artist and one band really hold it hold your attention for an entire show it's i think it's really and maybe for some small portion of people 
who are huge fans of that one artist or that one band, it's easier. But I think for the majority, your best bet is to try people please as many people as you can and just get as many acts in there as possible. I I, I just love the quick pace of it all. It, it never felt. Uh, I think you are big time wrong that that's the last time you'll see Dr. Dre on stage. I will agree that that group, you, you won't see that group together. But I mean, just look at, uh, you, you know, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned The Who. Look at these old uh, rock bands. It, dude, you're just printing money. And it's hard to walk away from, wait, I do a tour and you're going to give me this much money? Yep. yep I'll, uh, I'll go do that. Like, there's never, uh, no, I think I have enough. So I think that at some point he will, he will uh, do more shows. Maybe it's not a whole tour, but it'll be some sort of, uh, you know, appearance at Coachella or some sort of, uh, of event. But what I thought was, uh, was good. You know, you're saying, hey, we're trying to appeal to the most amount of people. I feel like the the past five years or so, they've done the, here's the main person, and then here's like some smaller people around it. But it's like different genres of music. Where yesterday was just like, we're just going to have like 90s and like early 2000s hip hop and rap guys. And like, there's not like a country singer that's in there that when like they perform, you know, second to last, it's like, why in the world are they out here? Like, this is this is out of place. Or you know, some uh, more like, uh, you know, pop rock guy or something. He's like, no, no, we're just going. This is what's gonna be. If people don't like it, oh well. You know, there there there's always gonna be naysayers for the for the halftime show. It's like just a halftime show. Doesn't really matter. But I, I definitely uh, I definitely had fun. I thought it was a thought it was a good show. I, I would rewatch the halftime show. I might even do that tonight. I I think I enjoyed it that much. Uh, all right, well, that was the Super Bowl yesterday. We were kind of going to go a little bit farther back in time and talk some NBA trade deadline, of which... Oh, hold on. Before we go, did you have a uh, have a, a favorite commercial or a least favorite commercial? Um, all right, the, the most... <laughs> I, I, I don't think I really have a true standout favorite, but I would say the most memorable one, the one that I thought was the most brilliant marketing that kind of pissed me off, was the... The blank screen, it's a black screen, and it's a QR code just floating around on the screen. And it looks like your TV is just frozen, and this screensaver has just kicked on. And you look at it, and you stare at it. And now I'm smart enough to know what a QR code is. I'm not sure if everyone else is obvious. uh, That's quite as obvious to everyone else. You get out your phone, you pull up your camera, you scan the QR code, and you immediately go to the website here. Now, there's no branding on this at all, which is why I thought it was genius and pissed me off because the only way I could know what it was if I scanned it and went to the website, it's just, it, it's just a very effective way of doing it. It just pissed me off of how effective it was and why I hadn't thought of something as basic and simple as that. It ended up being for some Bitcoin crypt- cryptocurrency something. I, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but uh, that stood out for me and for, for obvious reasons. I don't know if you've ever worked in marketing, but if you have, it's something as simple as that will just frustrate you of like, why, why did I write that? Why did I think of that? So that, that stood out for me. That one was one of my least favorites. Uh, <laughs> one, because like it didn't tell you what it was. It was just weird. Uh, the square never went and hit right in the perfect square uh, in the corner. So that's what I was watching to do. And then just on principle alone, I was like, I'm not going to do the QR code. And then found out later that it was for, I don't know, like if you opened an account, you got $15 worth of Bitcoin or something. It was like, nope, I'm glad I didn't do it. So it was kind of uh down on the the, the crypto commercials because i kind of heard going in there was going to be a bunch of crypto slash nfts so i was wondering how that was going to work but then down down the way 
Larry David's out there trying to get people into crypto. And that was my favorite commercial by far. Him <laughs> just naysaying all of these ideas that turn out to be great ideas. I want to the early ones is someone just like introducing the fork. He's like, are you kidding me? I got 10 forks right here. And he's like wiggling his fingers like all weird. And just that one was, uh, that was definitely my favorite. And I was kind of mixed on in the same kind of HBO vein, uh, Meadow Soprano driving around. I can't remember what car it was for. Yeah. One of, one of the, uh, the electric cars using the Sopranos intro music. So it was cool to hear it and it was her, but then it just seemed like a little bit no, gimmicky. They, they- they can't. They shouldn't be allowed to use that. That's like the the Applebee's using the Cheers song. Like, no, you can't. You can't do that. Nobody's going to Applebee's as their regular bar. And if you are, it's not Cheers. You don't get to play the Cheers song for that. I didn't like that they they took the Soprano song, of which I was really into it because for like a half a second there, I was like, are there more Soprano stuff coming out? Like, is is Meadow doing something? Right. Like, I because I kind of got excited because you would never play this song unless it was for something serious like that. And I can't believe that they're just. Given, I, don't, I can't believe they got the rights to the song for a cheap commercial like that, where they just show a bunch of street signs and then a car at the end. It, I, that was that was frustrating. I I didn't like that one. I will say I think the Super Bowl halftime show is my new favorite place for sitcom reunions. I don't need the whole Friends thing. I don't need the the sit down bits and all of that. I think the best way to do it is just give us a little thirty second taste of of like the Scrubs guys getting back together for a silly commercial or. What was it? The Wayne's World guys getting back. Like that was last year. There's other years Mm -hmm. where they've done this, and I think this is the new window where this should happen. Especially when you look at the budget of these halftime show, these halftime commercials, or any of the commercials throughout it, you could afford it, right? You're gonna, you're already spending this much on it. You might as well give something as your trophy to really show off of all this. And I think reviving and giving these reunion shows is is really a good way to go about it. Now, I'm sure there's a bunch of people are saying we're not gonna do any reunion ever, but I think there's also a lot of shows there. Just saying, well, money, money, yes, more money grab, yes, yes. all yes, right, please. yes, I'll do that, sure, no problem. So, as a fan, I, I think that may be a win-win for us, and maybe some of those, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, I, I don't, I don't know, typecasted characters that are struggling for work at this point. So I, I like that part of it. I was surprised to see uh, the to see the uh, the cable guy make a make an appearance. That was a real throwback. Yeah, I, uh, I, oh, I forget the Idris Elba, uh, booking dot com, booking dot yeah. I thought that was a good oh, one. Oh yeah, uh, that yep. one, that one snuck in there. I don't know how the money that these guys are keep throwing at this is gonna be just ridiculous because they all none of them look good at these commercials. I feel like they're all look so out of place. It's like, are you guys even actors? You look like terrible salesmen now. They're just it just seems so uh, out of place in a lot of them for me. But um. Yeah, no, it's, it's all right. I feel like I enjoyed the game. I still enjoy the game more. Like, even not even having a, a team in there, I, I wasn't suddenly like, uh, the Patriots aren't in this. I'm going to pay attention to the commercials now. I, I'm still not, it's still not my, getting my attention all the time. I'm still looking down. I, on my I agree. Phone. And I, I saw the comments on social media right after the halftime of like, hey, rather than play the stupid football game, can we just do the concert for another two hours? It's just like, nope. The halftime show is during halftime. We're here for a football game. This. Just because you're not interested in this, you can go watch, uh, you know, other, you know, Snoop concerts or go watch the Coachella performance. Go watch the whole Coachella performance. That's going to be even better. Yeah, there's going to be no more football for six months. Don't steal it from me. It was fine, but it wasn't like, oh, let's just, uh, you know, make this into a into a concert for two more hours. That that was not what I wanted. You know, I actually thought all the performers looked in pretty good shape. If you ask me, I mean. 
you know, you wait till you're that age. You're going to be praying you look like any of these guys. I, you, at least some of them at least have some muscle or gain some muscle at some point. I mean, we're still, I'm still working. It needs to look like half of that. So I'll, I'll give them some credit. And I'll just kind of remind everyone that the NFL is now over. The season is over. And that's uh, that's one hell of a season. I mean, I hope the Pats kind of get their our stuff together. Definitely didn't end the way I wanted it to. But do you think, uh, do you think these were the two best teams uh, just quickly here? No. Not even no, close, right? I, not even not close, even close. Right? Yeah. So remember, the Chiefs are still the favorite, man. There's no reason the Chiefs shouldn't be winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> so I feel like we put so much perspective into all, all of this every year of like, all right, the best team always comes out, or that we got to. This is the favorite, and all of that. I kind of like these years, though. This is this is an oddball year. I I really wish the the Bengals were able to pull it off because then it would be even more chaos for LA next year, especially losing in LA. Uh, I'm not sure how much – I'm sure that had some factor of it in there. But the Super Bowl week is so crazy with all the media and all that, the media week, the two weeks off, all of that. I, I think there had to be some advantage of being at home in L.A. for all those L.A. players. But I also could see that being a disadvantage. Like, you're stuck in L.A. for two weeks during mayhem. Like, you're not going to be able to go anywhere. It's it's all right around you. So, you know, I, I think there's some advantage of being able to sleep in your own bed. But I could also see being sleeping in your own bed surrounded by chaos of the city is, is – also probably somewhat of a disadvantage so uh but football's over and we it's now officially basketball season uh we'll definitely get into some march madness bet talk i will remind everyone at the end of the podcast here actually unless you want to let them know right now what do, what do you want to let them know we are full swing for for college basketball uh we were less than a month away from selection sunday and yeah we need to actually kind of get our acts together and people got to get their ideas to us so we got to start kind of paring down uh, maybe next week will be the uh you know we'll kind of start with that, that that big list and kind of put the okay yeah these are in the we'll definitely consider category and here are the ones that are in the hell no category but we kind of kind of get our get our act together and start laying that out yeah well uh we got some some old options but if you're new to the podcast or your first time listening thank you for giving us a shot for one and for two every year zach and i make a march madness bet where we try to get more picks right than the other person. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But at the end of the day, one of us wins, one of us loses, and one of us has to do a terrible consequence. And we try to get some viewer uh, recommendations for these consequences. And if you have any, feel free to let us know. In the past, it has been, uh, let's see, what? Shaving legs, wearing short shorts, playing basketball. It's been (laughs) buying, (laughs) what was this, a backflip last year? Zach Zach had to learn how to do a backflip. Uh, I, I had to I had to run a high heel race. Yeah, we we did that. These these all really just sound more humiliating for me because there's just a long long list of consequences I've had to do, and only one for you, which all you had to do was do a backflip into some cold water on like one rough day. Oh, poor you. <laughs> not, not even that bad. But uh, Zach's gonna lose again this year because we're gonna kind of even it all out. It's uh it's somewhat <laughs> it's somewhat fixed, but not exactly. Uh, I I think Zach watches way too much college basketball and it's like a disadvantage it's like over over studying you know he just panics on the big day so <laughs> we're gonna hope for that this year so if you got a good consequence that you like to see zach do uh make, make sure you submit it because this is this is my year again i'm already claiming it this is, this is i'm not i'm not i'm not starting the streak again of losing another five in a row or whatever it was so uh let us know yes, you can listen to la- on our last Facebook year page. was the uh it was was the covid year it was played in a controlled area without like a real amount of fans i wasn't able to go to any games to scout in person <laughs> so i i think that's uh that, that was a blip uh and i'm i'm 
prepared to uh, return uh, turn strong this year. Not going to happen. All right, well, before we get into all that, which we really don't have a whole lot to talk about for that, the NBA tread the deadline happened. This is the third transition I've tried to get into this, so let's just do it. Ben Simmons gets moved. James Harden's in Philly. Simmons is in Brooklyn. I don't know. It seems like the perfect match because I'm not sure which team won, and I think that's a, the reality of a fair trade. But at the end of the day, I look at Philly, who traded a guy who just wasn't playing, and they got a guy who maybe will, will, will want to play there for a short amount of time until he wants to play somewhere else, which is the pattern of James Harden at this point. And yes, I think it is a pattern. I, I don't know how you can argue that it's not a pattern. So if you're Philly, yes, you got a guy that didn't want to play and you got something for him. But maybe you've got another guy that might not want to play with you in a couple months. So I, I don't know what that ends up being. I don't know what direction Harden is going at in his at this point in his career. I think it's kind of on a downward tilt, if you ask me. But, you know, this guy has suddenly gotten in shape over two weeks like he did for Brooklyn last year. And if he suddenly pulls that off and he's back in, invested into everything again, there was absolutely some MVP talk within the last couple of years, if not months, for James Harden. So I, I think... The reality is that they might have pulled something, a miracle off here. I think Maury was right to be patient. I don't know how it all worked out. It seemed like a crazy strategy of demanding outrageous things from every other team. And I thought they were going to end up settling for so much less. Uh, but I, I, I think it works for both teams. I, I think Seth Curry getting included in the deal really uh, is really a good pickup for Brooklyn. Just more shooting. And I think it's a huge loss for Philly just losing that shooting because I don't think this team has that much shooting. So those are kind of my thoughts on it all. I, I still can't believe it happened. I mean, wh who do you think won the deal? This this one all happened happened so fast. It, it was two weeks ago that I was saying, there's no way this happens. This makes no sense for either team. Why would Harden want to do this? And then in in 10 days, it went from, yeah, I don't think it's happened to, oh, th this really seems like it's going to happen. Uh, there was all sorts of smoke about James Harden being disappointed that beforehand – uh, I had had no, uh, I, I was I, I didn't realize that was happening, so that was a surprise, and that was the main big deal that everyone thought was going to happen. Uh, I it's it's one of the weird trades where I do think it is. Uh, it, it, both teams are are winners because, like you mentioned, Simmons wasn't playing for the Sixers, and at this point, James Harden wasn't playing for the Nets. So if they start playing, it's good for both of them because you went from an asset that was not contributing to basketball to one that is, and that is pretty pretty good for for both sides. Uh, it sounds like both of them won't play until after the All Star break as they get situated. But I did see today uh, Simmons at practice, and so haven't seen that in months. So that's a, a you know a good. A good sign. I'm sure he'll have to get in front of uh, reporters, and it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond are cleared to make their uh, Nets debut tonight, and uh, the Nets also get the Sixers' uh, first-round pick this year and in uh, 2027. So this year's pick, uh, I imagine, won't be very good, but in 2027, you're really not sure what's going to happen. Man, it's just... One of these teams is going to have success, and maybe both of them don't. I, I just feel like we're going to make a huge judgment on this trade in the next month or two, and it, and then we're going to make another judgment on this trade in like a couple more months after that, and one of them is going to win, and one of them is going to lose. One of them is going to look really, really smart, and one of them is going to look really, really dumb. I, I, I don't see a reality of which both these teams feel like, yeah, you know what? This is the right decision. 
it it feels like a panic move where they were in a bad situation and they might be in a worse situation. I I, I don't know. Like the other thing is, as, as a uh, as, as a Celtics fan, I would have preferred the trade didn't happen in that James Harden stayed miserable in 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 Brooklyn, and that Ben Simmons stayed miserable in uh in Philly. But I don't think that was uh that was going to last, you know, uh, last last forever. But well, it's going to be interesting because it it sure sounds like uh, Harden opted into his deal, which I think was like a wink wink nod that hey, after this, you are going to give me the max. And he's not the youngest of guys. So you you talk about the trade. There's kind of a component of it of, okay, over the next couple of years, this money makes sense. But, in, you know, three to five years down the road, is it, oh, man, it's a, a John Wall situation of he just makes so much money and he is not living up to that contract. All right. So on paper, we've kind of talked about this. Now, on the actual court, the actual basketball in that sense of all of this, is there any reason to be concerned with maybe James Harden has never played that well with a good big man, or maybe he's never played with an actual good big man? And I think there's also concern on Brooklyn's end where you now have two guys who have chosen to not play basketball this year between Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, and you are now reliant on all of them because the one guy who is really good and does want to play basketball and Kevin Durant is not healthy. Like that just seems crazy. That, that like there's a reality of which this works, but there's also a reality of which you have two guys who have chosen to not play basketball this year on the same team together. Like that's that, that seems risky. <laughs> so I I don't know who I'd be more concerned about, but the, those those are just two points I think that need to be said. And I I think there's a pattern with James Harden that I don't like of the trade of being leapfrogging from team to team. I mean. Where do, you, do you think this? Do you think he's gonna retire as a Sixer? Like, really? No. No. No way, right? There, like, how many years do you think he's even there? He signs the supermax. Let's say it's five years. How many of those years is he actually in Philly? Again, Bede gets hurt one year and he's out for a whole year, which is a very likelihood of, of based on his history. And then Harden's just gonna ask for his way out. So I, I, I think, think he's just gonna, he's gonna lose his leverage. He's just gonna he's, he's gonna get older. He's not gonna be a a superstar anymore. And it won't be him saying, I want out. It's going to be the team saying, you know what? This isn't working. We're, we're going to move on. We're going to attach some picks, and we're going to get you out of here. Man, that it feels like we're getting there. And I, I just worry that Philly has traded for that situation. And, and there's, it, it just feels like a really small window to kind of go all in on. And I agree they should do it because Embiid right now is having as good a season as you're going to have. And he's capable of really dominating the Eastern Conference. I mean, I, I don't see enough bigs out there. I mean, I, I'll give uh, I'll give Jared Allen some credit, but I think Embiid showed Jared Allen some moves the other night. I don't know if you saw that, like, Dwight Howard dunk over him. Uh, I don't know what other big guys I'd be concerned about in the East of really slowing down Embiid. I mean, I look at the Celtics who who made some moves. We, we just keep trading for guys we refuse to pay, and then we trade for them for the contract we didn't want to pay, and we give up something to get that as well. <laughs> Like what? What backwards nonsense of this? If we do the same thing with with Horford, of which we're like, no, oh, no, Philly's offering way too much money. We can't do this. And then later we trade for the same contract that was too much money. We just did the same thing with Daniel Tice. We wanted to bring back Tice, but for this price, Houston, who is a dumpster fire of a mess over there, makes no moves. And other than this Daniel Tice one, where they take on Schroeder, says, uh, you know, we'll, the offseason we'll give Daniel Tice this contract because no one else will, and we'll just take him and. Somehow we, we ended up saying, you know what, we'll take it back. We'll give you this. I, I, I don't understand what the Celtics are doing. I do like the Derek White move, 
But is it is it weird that we're just trying the same formula over and over again and expecting a different result? Like that's like at what point is this ever? Is it going to be like enough? Let's try anything else, just anything else. I don't like bringing back Daniel Tice. I, I'm concerned that it's it's way too familiar. And every other team is like, oh well, we've already beaten these guys before, and they're not any better of anything. They're all just older. Like what? What? I, I, it just seems indefensible to to do this again. But uh, maybe there was no other way to get rid of Schroeder. And this is purely just to get under the, the luxury tax, which is crazy that we are now under it after doing those moves. We, how many rosters? Well, the big spot? one was that uh, that that magic trade. That was that was where we shed a bunch of salary. Yeah, I'll I'll live with that one too. Uh, Bull Bull was destined to find his way to Orlando, where they just say, you know what, <laughs> one of these guys will pop. Maybe you know we'll just keep throwing. <laughs> Something will stick. We'll just throw everything at the wall here. Maybe, maybe more uh, underdeveloped uh, players here will just suddenly learn how to play basketball over years of losing. It's it's a, it's a record for success. It's it's perfect. Yeah, I, I, we made, we basically just uh, gave away Bull Bull and uh, PJ Dozer, both who were hurt for the year, because then we gave them a future second round pick, and it says we get back a 2023 second round pick, but I'm pretty sure the protections on it are like the year you're not going to get this pick. So this was just completely a, all right, let's get this money out of here, get under the, under the luxury tax. So it was not a basketball related move. It was a purely financial move. All right. We got about 15 minutes here. We got a bunch of little trades. We can touch a little bit on Uh, Derek white to the Celtics. I do think that actually is going to be hopefully helpful. I don't know how he fits with smart, but I do think, He's not a losing player, which I don't know what it's going to take for the Celtics to do this. Chris Paul is not walking through that door. I think Tyrese Halliburton could have been a good fit for us. I mean, we could talk about how maybe we could have made a move for him, but it's it's not a bad addition. Like I think he's a better fit than Schroeder was, and and I, I guess I'm willing to try it. I mean, I, we're, we're kind of playing really well right now with Smart doing his thing. I just worry when that kind of snaps back to Smart's old bad habits, and we just say, yo, well, why do we ever think this is going to be different? So, shout out for the Celtics. I thought that was a decent move. I don't know. I don't know. What would you think of it? Like, are you okay with bringing back Tice? Are you, you going get to get the jersey back out? Oh, I always like Tice. He, he's a guy that does all of the all, all of the dirty work, and I think that we have the the guys that have skills, and that you need the guy that is going to set the hard screens, that is going to get dunked on, that is just going to try you know his absolute best. He's, there's there's uh, six more fouls we can use on on Embiid. Uh, I was uh, disappointed to, to see him go. I'm glad to be joining back in on uh, you know to protect him in the war on Tice. Uh, I saw some like funny jokes where it's like Celtics have traded for Tice and he's just been assessed two uh, fouls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 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 Derek White deal. The I think overall I I, I like it. What I've been been hearing and you know, what I've watching, it seems like Smart's been trying to step into the role as the point guard as best he can. But before this, we always had score first point guards. You know, we had Kyrie. Before Kyrie, we even had uh, Isaiah Thomas. Then we had Kemba. And so it's like, hey, we don't really need a score first point guard anymore. We got the Jays. Like they can score. We need somebody that can set them up, make it so that it's not Tatum having to you know go one on two or then launching up some fadeaway that is just really difficult shots. Like, no, no, let him not have to work quite so hard, but it was the way that the trade was revealed. Uh, I was very, very plugged in and keeping an eye on Twitter and what was going on. So what I first saw was we get Derek, right? Derek white. 
and we gave up Josh Richardson. And it's like, sweet. Josh has had some some bright spots, but overall it's just kind of been like, eh, you know, he's a guy, and I think it might be worth better off with Derek White, who's a year younger, contract is for a longer amount of time. And like I said, supposed to be a guy that can get get assists and set, set the table for people. But then I was like, well, and it was Romeo Langford. It's like, oh, okay, well, Romeo's been kind of on the bench and you know hasn't really uh, produced. Then it was, and it's a 2022 first round pick, and it's 2028 first round first round pick swap. So it just it kind of felt like we maybe got hustled a little bit by the Spurs, almost like we've done to teams in the past. Of, oh yeah, we we can do that deal, uh, but actually, could you throw in this? Hey, yeah, we want to get the deal done, sure. Okay, well, what about if you uh, you throw in this too? Uh, really? Uh, fine, fine, we'll do it. So I think we might have got got hustled a little bit, but uh, White is under contract for I think three more years. It's three years, three years after this. Yeah. So I mean, this is unless uh, I'm going to call it more of a major move is made. All of our guys are under contract for you know the foreseeable future. So you're talking about running this all back. It's like we really got to. Uh, really got to figure this out or else it's gonna be really disappointing that we're running the same guys out year after year well i'm all right with Derek white i think it's a worthy experiment at this point which is what this season truly is because i don't think we're competing for a championship so let's just try something i'm all right with it i think this is a good decision of, of a safe try it's it's one of those. his uh his debut was way better than uh evan fournier's debut last year so hold on to that well unfortunately we haven't had really any good debuts by any Celtics I mean the Hayward one was terrible the Kyrie one feels kind of rough now if you look how it all settled out uh but you know that's not enough Celtic talk for the history here that this was not my favorite trade I have two favorite moves of of the seat of the trade deadline here and it was not the Ben Simmons Harden deal it was not the Derek White deal I I really like Montrezl Harrell going to the Hornets I think that's kind of a weird one where I just see him doing a pick and roll with the mellow, uh, even if it's only a six man kind of role and he plays 20 minutes a game. I just think that's going to be a good fit and that'll be fun. I kind of like Serge Ibaka to the Bucks. I know that sounds a little weird too. He's kind of been in and out of injury and truthfully hasn't really been that relevant in kind of a year or two at this point. But I think if he can kind of get his stuff together again, this is another veteran that I think for a playoff round can, can be really a, a good impact. I don't think you're going to be disappointed having Serge Ibaka take a corner three when you need it. And, and I think that's that's just a really smart move for the Bucs. Uh, I'll give them that. I'd say those are kind of my yeah, two. Yeah, I think they only gave up, what, like like a, like a second-round pick or something or a couple second-round picks. So, And those are from other teams. It, it seems like you know, how often does a second-round pick you know, really uh, work out for you? So I, I don't mind giving the uh, – you know, so um, I'd say I really like those moves. I'm a little bit more lukewarm on the, the CJ McCollum move, but the one thing I will say is you might get what you want now that they traded for CJ because this kind of means they're they're going all in for that, that, that playing game spot, and you know who might come back. I mean, you think there's any chance Zion uh, suits up this year now? Because I, I think my, my feelings have shifted now that they made a move like this. I... Uh... I saw I saw a picture of him doing some some push-ups saying that he's all in. So I, you know, I'm always wearing the rose-colored colored glasses with, with Zion. And so I just, I, I want to see him back, whatever whatever needs to happen. Uh, I, I think CJ is going to shine on this team as well. I think this is exactly what that team needed. I don't know if it's the price tag anybody will ever be thrilled with because I, I just think you've seen the cap on the limitation of what CJ can be. But I think for what this team's at and where they're, 
you know, likely heading. I, I think this is a decent piece that they can be competitive now and today. And I think he's just a good locker room guy. Uh, it's tough for tough to watch uh, Portland kind of break down it like this. But, you know, at the end of the day, it just it wasn't enough. It wasn't working. And there was really no point in trying to make that roster work anymore. So they had to make some moves. I think you always hope that when you make these moves, though, that you come back a little bit stronger. And I don't know if Portland necessarily feels that way. But, you know, this is what rebuilding is. you got to start from somewhere. you got to kind of knock it all down to kind of build it all back up. So uh, I'm happy for the Pelicans because I think this is really going to get a shot for uh, for Zion to come back. And, and I, I think this is going to be a really fun second half of the NBA season here. I think there's a lot of good teams out there, a lot of good players. If we can get Zion highlights back on our radar, man, it's going to be going to be a hell of a hell of a finish here, I think, for the season. Uh, Agreed. Any other trades you kind of want to get into? I got a Kings trade here we could talk about. Sabonis, the Halliburton thing, although these are kind of two teams that I don't think they were very good to begin with, and I don't know if they're necessarily better now. And the Kings are impossible to kind of analyze where it's it's just it's just such a mess. It's just, it just seems like so many unhappy people, so many misfit pieces, so many poorly drawn up directions. Of like, are we this type of team? Are we that type of team? Do we just do we just want all the pieces that everyone else kind of wants and then we just give up everything and it doesn't work for us because we don't really have a foundation? Like, like this is a bonus thing. It feels like they, the only reason they wanted it is because everyone else in the league wanted him. He was like the number one trade asset talked about across the league and the Kings were like, oh, everybody wants him, so we should just go get him. I, I mean, I don't know if this, this is the wrong strategy. I just feel like that would work so much better for any other team than him. I don't have a... I don't have any hope for Sabonis, unfortunately. I, I, I'm really bummed out that he's going to Sacramento. Really, really bummed out because I, I, I was hoping that maybe the Celtics would just go all in for something like that or maybe he would just end up anywhere else other than Sacramento. But, you know, somebody's got to play for that team, right? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's frustrating there. I'm not sure where Halliburton uh, – I, I just – I wouldn't have moved Halliburton. I, I think this is one of the – playmaking leader pieces of an unselfish point guard that is going to be really hard to find especially when you factor in his his age his size like he's not a little guy like a lot of the times I feel like even with Chris Paul you're you're kind of a defensive liability especially as you age Halliburton's not going to be that guy I I think this is this is the one advantage he has over everything and he's just going to get better he's he's so young I, I think it's just silly to throw away something like that where I think every other team in the league is is desperately searching for a guy like Halliburton, and the fact that these guys had him, and they were like, "Well, the other pieces around him aren't very happy because they're not playing as much." It's like, "Well, get rid of those guys then." Like, I don't understand. And maybe they weren't able to, and that's that's more of the the sinking ship of Sacramento, where they're unable to kind of get out of their own way because they made poor decisions in the past that are now affecting the decisions of the future. And this is the perfect example of that of getting rid of Halliburton. I, I just think it was a huge mistake. I, uh, I got to imagine it's to clear the, the, the path and I don't know why you really need to clear the path, but for, for, um, for Fox, right? Yeah. But didn't we, I mean, I still think Fox is a decent player and can have success in this league, but I've seen him be the number one option or be the guy there. And maybe it just didn't have the right pieces around him. I'm not sure if these pieces are that much better and this is suddenly going to work. Cause I never saw enough of, well, if he just had this with him, they'd be better. If they just had this, they they did they'd be better. Because I don't know, I don't I don't think a team ever had enough success to really analyze their weaknesses. It always felt like they were just struggling. It's like so, why would we ever try to have any building block here off of anything? Because nothing's working. So I, I don't. I hope it's a good turnaround. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not going to give up on Fox. I just think it would have been much easier to build around Halliburton 
than it's ever going to be to build around Fox. I, I, I just think that was obvious this year. I can't believe they gave up on that. It seems crazy to me. And yeah, I, he's only 21. Yeah. I, I'd be excited for uh, for Indiana over there, though, because I, I think you just got to put enough pieces around him, and I think Indiana does have a lot of – they can make a lot of moves, too. I think they got a lot of flexible pieces. They also trade uh, Karis LeVert, which was a kind of a weird project over there. I, I, don't, I don't know what to think of LeVert anymore. I, him going to Cleveland's kind of a weird strategy here as well. Uh, but, you know, what – Whatever. I mean, is, is there any other teams you kind of want to get into here? Yeah, the uh, one that uh, surprised me, both that it happened and what the what the pieces were, was uh, the Mavericks sending Porzingis to, to the Wizards. And all they got back was uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Davis Bertans. So they had kind of said when they brought Porzingis in, it was like, we're looking to put him with Luka, and this is going to be like the core of our team for the foreseeable future, and that... <laughs> really didn't last very long at all. So, I, I, I mean, think about it. It doesn't seem that long ago that it was, we were talking about the the young unicorns, and it was Giannis and Porzingis and maybe maybe, maybe Cat. And now it's like, you're, you're only worth Spencer Dinwiddie and Burt fans, like, not, no, zero first-round picks, just, oof, just kind of falling off a cliff really fast. I, I also think you could argue that Bertan's value has never been any lower. He's had a lot better seasons. I don't think he's been very good this year. So that that's like another factor. You're not even getting like a good season of Pertons at this point. Like there was, this is really low. The Didwitty, I don't, I don't understand the Mavericks. I maybe maybe Luca is just difficult to play with. I don't think Porzingis was by any means the perfect fit with him at all. I think on paper there was a strategy of maybe these two being able to do pick and pop sort of things, and you'd have two offensive powerhouses off of this, but. Zinger kind of lost his athleticism as well as it's just bad at defense, man. It's like inexcusably bad at defense. He can't guard anybody. He really can't guard anybody, and he's not that good of a help defender. So he's just a, a liability on that side. And and I think you already got the offensive power with Luka. Your best shot is trying to just involve him and Brunson as much as possible. So I don't know why you'd be drawing up any plays for Porzingis. So then it boils down to what, what advantage does Porzingis really give you, especially for the price tag on this? Like that's why the trade value was so bad. Is who the hell wants to pay for him? I mean, well, I mean, imagine. What I, would, I, I I hear you. What would you imagine? What the Celtics would have to give up to trade for Porzingis? And you would be like, that's outrageous, just to match the contract alone. <laughs> we we, we could, yeah. We would never give that up. Uh, yeah. So that that's kind of a strange one for for uh for Washington, I suppose, who's having a struggling season. Uh, a couple uh, tidbits on guys that didn't get moved. Uh, no Eric Gordon. He's still stuck in Houston over there. A lot of Houston guys still stuck in Houston. No John Wall getting moved as well. That's kind of concerning. Lakers don't make any moves. Knicks don't make any moves. Is there is there any lack of activity that really shocked you? Uh, I just assumed the Lakers would have made some sort of move. Uh, it was always kind of an outside chance they were going to be able to do something with Westbrook. It just does not seem like things are going well uh, over there. But we just would have thought they would have made some sort of fringe move at the at the very least if, even if it was just a this is what lebron wants we're gonna make it happen but that that was really the, the main one yeah we're gonna have to follow up on a, the whole buyout market at some point in one of these podcasts where i think there's a lot of these teams i mean the celtics might be one of them too i mean would you i think you said we have five roster spots open at this point where we just maybe this aftermarket we just start signing guys i'm more worried of not having yeah, a full, that, not having a full roster yeah, that, with that, the covid rules like what if what if guys just start getting knocked out again yeah, yeah, really got to hope, hope against that. And yeah, we, I, I mean, a, a handful, 
maybe not quite a handful, but like Bobol and Dozier were already out for the season. But it just seems like well, five guys, like for sure we'll look at the buyout market, but guys have to want to go. You don't just get to go into like that pool and grab guys. It's not like there's a ton of great guys in that pool. So just to find five guys, just it, it seems like a lot. So we do not have a, a, a ton of ton of depth. So I'm interested to see how that goes uh, goes forward. Yeah, I'm curious to see who's going to end up winning the battle on all that. I don't know if L.A. is necessarily somewhere everyone's destined to go to either. Like it feels like you'd go to Milwaukee if you're, if you're anyone. So the Lakers are suddenly be kind of all in on this aftermarket is, is very, very concerning for me if uh, I'm an L.A. fan. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that going forward. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. We've got about 30 seconds here. Is there anything you want to share with the people out there? I can oh, get more yeah, the, time if you want no, that's fine. Uh, it just we got a, got a long time of uh, of no football, so you know got a lot of basketball to uh, to, to to fill that. And yeah, definitely uh, it's time to start paying attention to uh, to college basketball now that the Super Bowl is over. So you know the uh, Kansas plays tonight. Uh, Gonzaga is back as the uh, number one team in the land. So you know start get yourself uh, ready. <laughs> Well, we'll be ready next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Check us out on Facebook, Little of Column A, Little of Column B podcast. We're on Spotify, Google Play, everywhere else. Uh, stream us, like us, follow us, whatever else we tell you to do. Do it. Little column A, little column B.